filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. All right, Ben. Uh, I was wondering what you did for uh, the weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. What did you do for what, or I guess what came before this weekend is not quite over yet. You can hear already that my brain is gone. <laughs> so on Thursday, my wife and I decided that on Friday, the next day, we were going to go to the Outer Banks because we were just like, eh, screw it. Put the dog in the kennel. Uh, and by the kennel, I mean the, like, doggy daycare that we didn't leave the dog in her crate the entire weekend in our house um and we brought the baby with us we left the cats with a lot of food and we were just like screw it let's go to the beach and it was great we drove down to the outer banks uh from richmond which is only three hours away not bad and had a great time and while driving back almost died but at least we'd already had beach time (laughs) we were we were coming over one of uh, Hampton Roads' stupid, stupid bridge tunnels, uh. and there was a giant piece of metal in one of the lanes of traffic. Oh, nice. And so, and it was raining really hard, and Virginians are idiots in the rain. Anyways, even when there's no let, giant pieces of metal on the I'll, highway. I'll just let it, note, let it be noted that I am not saying anything. Ben <laughs> came to that on his own. Continue. No, Virginians are idiots in the in the rain. Just idiots. Um, so yeah, the car in the lane that had the giant piece of metal in it, which was not my lane, decided uh, that he was going to immediately jump into my lane. So I had to slam on my brakes in the rain going from 60 miles an hour to 10 miles an hour. And thankfully did not hit that guy who cut me off, nor did I get rear-ended by the person behind me who was at least paying enough attention that they also saw the giant piece of metal and knew what was about to happen. That's, uh, I mean, that's good, I guess. I guess it turned it's good that it turned out that way. Yeah, exactly. Not, not dying, not being, not also being turned into a hunk of metal on the road is a good thing. Um, that actually reminds me of a trip I took to North Carolina, the beach years ago. And while driving down the road, not in the rain, um, I happened to see after there had been a car going the other way that had like an engine block failure and was just, there was white smoke billowing out and it, mm-hmm. enough that like the whole highway on that side of the road had slowed to like 20 miles an hour because it was so thick. And even on the other side with a, like a, a brief, um, uh, barrier between the two, even my side of the road had to slow down somewhat for visibility purposes because of the smoke. But what followed that once that cleared and everything was, um, the car in front of me clipped uh, the large chunk remnants of an exploded uh, 18-wheeler tire that had Ooh. been left on the road. It yeah. clipped it in such a way that it was spinning towards my car. Uh-oh. And, uh, I mean, it was coming fast enough where um, I only I, – like, I was at the wheel, and it was coming at the windshield, and I only had thought of my, – my thought was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. um, not any time to, to move or break, just like, uh-oh, that's no good. And my, 
my friend uh, that was driving with me, he told me that his thought was like, we're going to die. Uh, this yeah. is going to come through the windshield and kill us. But uh, it sort of caught the wind and just sort of slapped against my windshield and then flew onto the shoulder. And so oh, we just nice. carried on as if like, well, all right, I'm just going to keep going. This has been a horribly dangerous trip so far. Um, that reminds me of another uh, car disaster that almost happened to me, but luckily didn't. Um, I was driving to uh, Clemson which is where my sister went to college. Mm-hmm. And um, I was driving through the abyss, the putrefaction, the hellhole that is Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, no apologies to any of you who live in Charlotte. Um, and I was driving on the highway just north of Charlotte uh, on 85. And I see some people like changing lanes in front of me. I'm in the middle lane of 85. It's a 70 mile an hour speed limit Mm -hmm. cruising along at like 75 and the cars are peeling out in front of me. And then I see in the middle lane, there is a disabled car that is going zero miles an hour. And I am quickly coming up upon it because it is sitting in the middle of the highway. Right. So I do a quick whip into the lane next to me. Luckily, no one was there because I didn't have time to see if anybody was there or not. Uh, But yeah, they weren't able to. I I guess it must have just happened because they hadn't yet been able to get their car out of the middle lane of traffic. Well, fortunately for me, my my Memorial Day weekend was a little less dramatic than all of this uh, near-death experience talk. Uh, I went to a cookout. I had a delicious burger and um, lots of other snacks and a couple beers and hung out with a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while. This is all very pleasant. Um, And I got a little life lesson to give everybody uh, listening. Um, If you go to a cookout at someone's house, and especially if it's someone's house where um, they are visiting as well, uh, the situation in this case was my friend host this thing at his parents' house because there's a pool and he lives in New York, so he can't really host Uh everyone else. Um, But uh, at the end of this, you know, the people that live at the house you're at are going to want to have some fridge space and stuff. They don't want to store a party's worth of food for a house with maybe two people. Um, Your friends going back home may not want to carry all that stuff back to their home out of state. So if you stay long enough, you're just going to get like a grocery bag full of stuff. Um, and that's how I ended up with like a quarter of a cake, um, a full thing of guacamole, two more avocados that weren't ripe yet. And so they just didn't get used at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. a lime, uh, a bag of tortilla chips. Um, I want to say, um, some salad uh, that had no dressing on it yet. So it was still savable. Um, some brats. So just a pile of, a pile of chopped veggies. Uh, well, no, it had, it had strawberries and feta and, uh, I think okay. it was a spinach salad, but it had no, uh, oil or vinegar or anything else on there. So right. you can still save it. Save it for tomorrow. Oil. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ended up with like literally an entire large size Whole Foods bag of stuff. Nice. As I The guac it. is the best part and the avocados. It, it's, it was really good guac too. Um, and yeah. you know, the, 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 it all came from just staying last. Everyone else had to leave, um, <laughs> because of their children and whatnot. And the only childless couple decided to leave before the children left. So, uh, I just was hanging out talking to my buddy Mike and all of a sudden everyone was gone and he was like, um, it was like eight o'clock. I was like, all right, I'll get out of your hair. Cause I'm clearly the only person left. And he's like, hold on, let me get you a to go bag. And then his mom came in and before I knew it, I had an entire, 
uh, torso-sized bag of stuff, um, which I've See? mostly ate today. Nice. So, yeah, do that. That's my advice to you, uh, everybody, is just linger at parties until someone gives you enough stuff uh, to make it <laughs> worth your while to leave. Yeah. You'll notice we don't have Adam, so... Goat, goat, this is going to be a disaster. Uh, this is Filibuster, <laughs> the Black and Red United podcast. It's I'm Jason. The other voice you hear is Ben. Uh, Adam yep. Adam has been waylaid by social obligations and will not be with us tonight. Um, we have a lot to talk about, though. We have uh, DC United's win over Vancouver uh, to discuss. Uh, first win in what seems like a, one epoch, um, but was actually the first win in just like a few weeks. Um, we have DC United's trip to Orlando coming up on Wednesday. We have uh, United hosting the Galaxy uh, before our uh, meetup. So come to well, our no, meetup. They're, they're hosting the Galaxy after our meetup because our yes, meetup is not after the game. Right. Yes. Meet before the game. Do not expect to find us afterwards because we'll be going back to where the various places we have to go. Um, but in any case, we have a lot to talk about. We have uh, Josie Becker coming on for that last segment to talk about the Galaxy but uh, I guess we should start with our traditional, uh, Ben, what are you drinking? So, unfortunately, since DC United won, that means I have to drink vodka again. Unf- thankfully for me, I'm not drinking straight shots of vodka, because no. Uh, and also, thank- thankfully for me, over this weekend, uh, when I was at the beach, a friend of mine likes, that I was there with, likes uh, Tito's vodka. That's good vodka. So I... So I bought a fifth of Tito's, and only some of it got drunk, so I brought the rest of it home. So I'm drinking a screwdriver with Tito's vodka. I've been through a lot of screwdrivers in my day. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Um, I uh, I have uh, – what do I have? Um, I went over – oh, yeah. I went over to Gordon Biersch uh, last night. Actually, coming home from this same uh, – cookout that I mentioned, I took my empty growler with me because Gordon Pierce was doing a like $8 fill your growler deal for the weekend. Um, and so I took my growler with me and stopped on my way home and got their uh, Ice Bar Alt, which is an alt beer. Alt means old in German. It's uh, not old, It's not just old beer. It's old style. They're using the old, the old school way of making beer, the very basic uh, stripped down. Um, and it's just, it's a uh, I don't think there are enough alt beers going around. This one's a really good version of it. Um, I just don't see too many of them being made, and I think that kind of sucks because they're really, really all they're good for pretty much any occasion. Um, this one, yeah. nice and smooth, but not bland by any means. It's not too hoppy. It's not too malty. It's uh, just a good balance of everything without being bland. So if you find an alt beer, give it a shot. Um, but they are kind of hard to find. If you're a brewer, maybe don't make so many IPAs. Maybe make an alt beer. Please don't make so many IPAs. Um, you don't need seven IP- IPAs. IPAs. You need like three. IPAs are delicious, but there are too many of them. There are other kinds of beer. There, we, there, they are literally everywhere. Please slow down with your IPA. Richmond is really Richmond is really bad about that. All the breweries have at least five or six IPAs. I think everybody is. I think it's just the the nature of the beast. You, you it's almost like why don't you make more IPAs? Like well. Th- we have like twenty. Do you need another one? Yes. Um, I need one with three different kinds of hops. I need one that's just a like a bottle full of hops that you have to pour out and chew. Uh, it's not yeah. even actually beer. It's just gnawing on some leaves. Um, delicious, by the way. Gnawing on leaves is the best. <laughs> um, 
And with that out of the way, uh, I guess it's time to talk about good news on this podcast. It's weird. It feels weird to bring up a positive. Uh, DC United victorious in Vancouver. I just, I did not write that down. Uh, I, that came out on my own. I'm a natural, clearly. Um, one nothing over the Whitecaps, <laughs> uh, on the road, um, ending a 366 minute scoreless streak, ending yep. a three game losing streak. Uh, much, much needed win. Uh, certainly not the, greatest uh victory in our times uh, vancouver hit the crossbar three times they hit the post once they missed on a 95th minute penalty kick um united's penalty in and of itself uh lamar nagel converted it was an excellent penalty by the way but the process to get that penalty has caused a little bit of controversy or is the only thing anyone wants to talk about from this game so far uh so i guess we'll start with that ben sure. um I know you watched the incident that led to Soren Stoika calling the penalty. Uh, you said today on Twitter that you watched it about 20 times. Um, yes, that is accurate. To, to refresh our listeners' memory in case they threw that part, oh, the, the big part of the game out of their heads, uh, <laughs> Jose Ortiz uh, trying to cut past uh, Kendall Waston. Waston reached out to gr- get, grab his jersey or to at least use his arm to block his progress, and as soon as... There was a molecular level contact between the arm and the shirt. Ortiz just let his feet go out from under him and hit the deck. Yes. Um, there was actually a really good screenshot floating around of the moment Ortiz's feet were both just up in the air um, and of him just flying through the air inexplicably without context. That was, <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. Um, but uh, that was called a penalty uh, and yes. people are mad as hell. Um, so... <laughs> To, to borrow some language from our friends at the Total Soccer Show, things can be two things. Ortiz definitely embellished, and the word on the street is that he's probably going to be suspended for Wednesday's game against Orlando City, and that's probably right and proper. I don't really have a problem with that. Especially that's fine. a week after he got uh, a fine for diving uh, against... Right. Um, Chicago. So he's a week off of that, and this this happens. So, right. But Kendall Waston definitely tried to grab Ortiz or armbar him or something like that. I think he tried to grab his jersey, right? Uh, and made, made and probably made a little bit of contact, but not obviously not enough to uh, send Ortiz flying. But MLS refs have been drilled this season, and we heard about it in the off season to look for. Grabbing in the box. That's one of the key things that they were told to watch out for this season. And if it had been a that a, a almost foul with his feet, it would have right. been a it, you would definitely have called it a penalty. If he had gone studs up, for example, and had missed, it would have definitely been a penalty. So all of that to say, it probably shouldn't have been called a penalty, but. Kendall Watson is nowhere near as innocent as people are trying to make him out to be. Everyone is just blaming Ortiz for everything and saying that he is the worst person of all time. And yes, he embellished, but Kendall Watson is by no means innocent in this situation. Yeah, I mean, and and I was uh, I was the one working our the the site Twitter account at the time, and and I was making pretty much this same point, which is that Kendall Watson was trying to commit a foul. Um, yes, the fact that Ortiz ended up making a meal of it as soon as there was contact 
um, is the, the reason there wasn't a foul there primarily is because Ortiz hit the ground before or, uh, Waston could complete fouling him, essentially. Um, right. Which uh, is some kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like there does need to be an acknowledgement of Kendall Waston was trying to commit a foul. You can you can be mad at Jose Ortiz for diving or embellishing. Um, I think embellishing is maybe a little bit better in this case because we are talking there. It, well, there wasn't zero contact. There was a tiny bit of contact that he embellished dramatically. Um, right. I'm still not sure what Soren Stoika called um, because I don't think he could have seen the grab uh, because of where Ortiz's body was. I don't right. think he had an angle to see it. So I am wondering if he called a trip. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I think, I, I think what Waston's trying to do is he's trying to take advantage of the fact that where he's positioned on the field means the, the linesman is looking down the line, which means he can't really see what's going on with Waston's arm. He can't see that grab most likely. Um, and Ortiz's body position is in the way of Stoika's view of that foul. So I think Waston, with his experience, knows that this is a moment you can get away with the grab. Um, I mean, that's not that difficult of a skill to master. You can go find that happening in your local indoor league. Um, so guys like Waston have done that a thousand times. They know what they're up to. Um, but there's a there's a uh, member of DC United's back line who didn't start this game who is uh, well-versed in those kinds of tactics. Yeah, uh, it's probably something in Ortiz sees from Boswell uh, most practice uh, sessions. Um and and that's part of life uh, as a center back, but that's also um, a thing where if you're a center forward, you need to know that I'm going to get grabbed like this, and maybe I need to uh, do a little bit of a sell job to make sure that that contact is noticed, because we know that MLS referees are going to miss calls like that. Um, we know that not, not just MLS referees, we know that most referees in most leagues are going to miss that, because um, to reference one of our... Uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Phil, um, who uh, Phil Quinn was telling us uh, elsewhere that um, this is the kind of thing you see all the time. And if, if every foul like this was called in a game, you would have penalty after penalty. Um, it would be a, a penalty fest in most games because these things... Well, and we can talk about that a little later, too. These things are, are things that center backs get away with, defenders get away with all the time. Um, and maybe that's part of the uproar is that uh, it's... Um, an attempt to commit a foul that doesn't get called very often, um, which is maybe a good segue into the other penalty kick, uh, yeah. which is a foul that doesn't get called virtually ever. Um, no. On the, the play in question, uh, Vancouver served the ball into the box. Bill Hamid came to punch it out. Uh, Breck Shea beat him to it by a split second and actually headed the ball onto the crossbar um, and it was immediately uh, collided with uh, by Hamid. Uh, took what looked like a forearm to the face. I think the Whitecaps actually uh, had an Instagram photo of the the actual contact to Shea's face. Um, it looked like the initial call was just going to be a goal kick. Um, I think Stoika was setting up for that and then um, either had the idea on his own to go check yeah. with his linesman. I mean, that's what he said eventually. But... Right. Or had the, the earpiece, uh, maybe his linesman indicated he should come have a chat with him. But we, what we do know is that the Whitecaps, uh, led by, Apoplexy. yeah, led by Andrew Jacobson, but eventually like five or six guys were just screaming at him, um, for anything, which kind of characterizes their approach to the final half hour of the game, uh, to scream for anything at all times. Um, even when their players were in the wrong, they were looking for, I, I assume they were looking for just a red card and like 
a penalty kick, no matter what had occurred. Um, or, or I think they were really looking to just disband United completely so that they would no longer be a uh, corporate entity. So And so that the game would end in a forfeit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they would win 3-0 three, three, three or whatever the were, forfeit were abandoned, is. Uh, at the time, um, in that case, uh, yeah, that's what would happen. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know what to begin to say about the, the second penalty. It was obviously... If this were a shot on the ground, um, you would probably get a penalty call because the ball's away and there's contact. On the other hand, it is an extraordinarily rare call. We see this sort of collision a lot uh, with goalkeepers that just it just doesn't get called. Um, no, and so never. it was a surprise. And it was especially a surprise when you have a bizarre situation unfolding where the Whitecaps are concerned only with berating Soren Stoika. Um, one of their players is down needing treatment for a head injury, um, that the Whitecaps did not, they just did not seem to care. Um, no, they were just like Brekshay's on feet. Stoika. Um, but also like if you're a referee in that moment, uh, there's a lot to handle. He's got a head injury. He's got to deal with, he's got a mob of players yelling at him and he needs to go talk to his, uh, AR, um, it did allow the whole thing to drag out, and we didn't really get a good indication of what was happening until he came back over and just sort of calmly, um, once he got into the box and was, like, near the trainers, was like, oh, by the way, it's penalty kick. Um, yeah. And, I mean, just like he could have uh, given a card to Ortiz and a penalty kick in, in, the, uh, in the 60th minute, just the fact that he let the mass confrontation happen, he let all of those Whitecaps players berate him. They can't get away with that. Like, if you wanted to give the penalty, you can give the penalty as well. It's a, I think it's flagrantly ridiculous to give that penalty. Um, I mean, the goal, for, for better or for worse, goalkeepers have more rights in the box when they are going for the ball. Uh, and that's why you never see that call. But regardless, there still needed to be a card for somebody in the... Uh, in the scrum, in the in the uh, mob of uh, Whitecaps players that was just berating uh, Stoika and getting in his face. And it's it's laughable that uh, MLS says that they care about mass confrontations when they obviously don't. Cause... Well, and we, we, we should give them time. It's only Monday, and I feel like the announcements for all of this, all of the drama over the weekend will come out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tuesday. So or today as you... Yeah. Today as you listen. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably be officially known whether Vancouver got any sort of fine for the mass confrontation, which is generally the first punishment. Um, but in any case, it is worth noting that despite the fact that we're talking a lot about referees, United did get very lucky in this game. Um, the uh, the shots off the post and the bar, miss having a penalty kick missed in stoppage time like that. Um, Vancouver attempted 22 shots, but only put four on goal. Uh, but those... I, I remember, I remember a particularly egregious one early in the game where I think it was Teixeira just was in the six yard box and just completely didn't even put it on frame. And it's just like, it was that kind of night for them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, uh, you just can't buy a goal and, and Vancouver certainly had one of those nights. Um, though I, I will say, you know, the, the Waston shot off the bar was really just a blind hook the ball over your shoulder while falling bicycle kick kind of thing and hope hope for the best um yeah normally uh if he tried that 10 times i feel like eight of them would have just gone wildly away from goal and not been a threat but in any case um united had to 
lean heavily on Bill Hamid, who had a team of the week performance. Uh, I feel like we've talked about that before. Um, I feel like yep. maybe uh, Hamid is sort of rebounding into some form after a few um, a few rough weeks, or not rough weeks, but you know, not up to his standards. I guess is a better way to put it. Um, yeah, we- weeks that yet- will start to put him back into Gold Cup consideration. Yeah, um, at, you know, his performance the last couple of games has been, I mean, against Chicago, that game could have easily been 4 nothing in the fire, if not for Hamid. Um, and this game also yeah. is, was one where if Hamid isn't on his game, uh, United ends up losing this game. 2-1. to one. You know, 2-1 to one at least, and, and not really, it's an, a very non-dramatic loss at that point, because it would probably have been 2 nothing at halftime. Yeah. Um, but... Ben, I, I guess um, the main, the main, that's the main takeaway. Uh, obviously, Hamid and Ortiz, but I know you wanted to talk about one player that impressed you that isn't on that list. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Ian Harks. Um, we all know that he got benched for last week's game uh, against. That was the was that just the fire game? Was that just last week? Yeah, just just the one game. The, the switch to four four two. He was on the bench. Oh yeah, I was just I was just I. The fire game couldn't have been just a week ago. That was like months ago, right? Right? <laughs> no, no, it really was like eight days but, ago. But uh, uh, even though United lost that game, I think getting benched did help uh, right Harks' head. He wasn't playing badly, but he was just kind of, I feel like, scuffling along a little bit, hitting a little bit of a rookie uh, uh, malaise. And I think he had an excellent game in in this game. Uh, it Shown off by the fact, uh, just early in the game, his uh, back heel to Lucho uh, early in the game that allowed Lucho to get that great rip that uh, Osid made a very good save on. That was, yeah. that was a, a quite good save for Osid. This is the play that ended with Acosta staring up at the scoreboard, looking in mild disbelief um, that that didn't end up in the goal. Yeah, yeah, that that was. Had that gone in, I feel like that could have been a. Two to, two to nothing, three to nothing game for United. I, I think they might have gotten rolling had that gone in, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I think you were telling me, Jason, that uh, uh, Harks had the most passes out of anybody on the field and with an 89% completion rate, which is quite excellent for a, a number eight. And uh, when I was watching it this morning, I I already knew the, uh, the, the outcome, obviously, and I was focusing on Harks when I was rewatching this, and just his movement throughout the game, just he was shadowing Chani uh, a lot of the time, just making sure that Chani couldn't, both in attack and defense, couldn't get going, and he just had a lot of, like, quick, fast little passes that weren't just necessarily sideways or backwards, but he was helping keeping the attack moving and keeping everything moving. And especially when uh, his defensive midfielder can't do that sort of stuff mm. on a regular basis, having him there to be able to do that is essential for this team to be able to do anything through the middle. Yeah, uh, those are all... I mean, he, he did have a, uh, a a real bounce back after um, a little a little bit of a slow spell for him. Um and just generally, I think, uh, was one of the best players in the field. I, I know that the, um, there was, there wasn't that much time to give attention to it, but, uh, he does deserve some credit. And hopefully this is the, uh, beginning of a long spell of that kind of play because he has this in him. This isn't a, a freak performance where he played really well and then we'll, we'll come back down to earth. This was, uh, cross country on turf against a team that generally tends to, 
create kind of a hectic game and thus passing percentages get lower. People tend to be um, a little more frantic and a little less thoughtful, and he managed to come through looking pretty thoughtful throughout. Um, but I guess, uh, unless you wanted to get into anything else, I think we have so many things to discuss that we should probably bounce to the next segment. What do you think? Sounds good. Uh, do we want to make the announcement here, or do we want to make the announcement later? We might as well do it now. Sure. So as we as we told you all last week, uh, we are starting a Patreon. And once you, uh, as you are listening to this, that Patreon will be live. It has, it is at, uh, it'll be linked in the show notes, obviously, but it is, it is also at patreon.com slash filibuster. And it, it's where we hope you will go to help support this podcast. Uh, don't worry. Even if you don't support us, it'll make us sad personally, but this podcast isn't going anywhere. We, we are not hurting for, Money, we are not going to just shut it down if we don't get funded. That That's not happening. But we really want to take this podcast to the next level for you all. We really want to be able to do more uh, for you, and we hope that you can help us do that. So uh, we have a number of different levels, a number of different perks. Uh, there may be live shows you can attend. There may be uh, private recordings of this show that you can attend, no matter where you are, because, as you know, we are spread throughout uh, Virginia, Maryland, and D.C., so if you donate at a certain level, you can sit uh, next to us while we record an episode. I think that's one of the perks, right? That's one of the perks. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah. Not sit uh, next to us literally, but, you know, join the internet thing that we do this through. You can sit on Jason's lap. <laughs> That's a very expensive perk, though. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, there's, and uh, one of the main things we want to do is uh, if we reach a certain level of donations to start this, Adam really wants to start doing interviews with uh, soccer people around the country and yeah. wants to people be able to put those out. People of note yeah. uh, and wants to be able to put those out for you. And that's going to be uh, some of those will probably be available on this regular podcast, but some of them are only going to be available to uh, our Patreon members. So we really hope that you are going to support us and do this. And uh, this podcast takes more effort than you might think. It's not just us sitting around having a good time, which is most of it. But uh, Jason watches hours upon hours upon hours of soccer every week to be able to give you all this great information. Uh, Adam prepares uh, and writes the show usually, and it, that's why it sounds better than when it's just me or uh, <laughs> Jason running this podcast uh, and helps uh, set up our guests and everything. I spend uh, multiple hours every week editing this, and I hope you have uh, realized that uh, I think it sounds better over the past like month or two. Uh, I've tried to do some more things to make it sound even better for you. So... All of that takes time, all of that takes effort, and I just hope that you all will come with us and help us make this podcast even better and continue it into the indefinite future. When the heat death of the universe comes, we're going to be there podcasting about the soccer that is happening on the moon as the sun explodes and envelops the moon. Please send us enough money that we can get to the moon. Yes. Take, send this podcast to the moon. And we're back. Uh, we are going to have to move on from the good times of winning on the road uh, to hopefully doing it again. DC United suddenly can't lose on the road. I, I don't really get it. They can't win at home. 
they can't win uh, or they can win uh, away from home. That's not really how it's supposed to work. Um, that would have been a good Ken Win Jones segue if we were playing Atlanta, though. It would have been, and now we're never going to use it because we'll have forgotten it by the time we yep. play Atlanta oh, yeah. again. Um, which I think is – it's not even that far away, but we'll definitely have forgotten it by then. Oh, um, yeah. Talking on what's actually going to happen that we won't forget, uh, DC United is facing uh, a long, long trip from uh, – they took a bus from Vancouver to Seattle – uh, to catch a direct flight from Seattle to Orlando, uh, and they are in Orlando, or I assume they're already in Orlando, uh, to face. Is this the longest Orlando possible? City. Is this the longest possible trip in MLS? Yes, Orlando versus Vancouver to Vancouver is the longest trip uh, you can take distance wise, probably by a good margin too. Um, I mean, Vancouver, New England, like it, that's, it, 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 it's not as be, long, but it's still pretty right. long. That would be pretty long. Vancouver to Houston would be pretty long. And I assume like New England to L.A. would be a long one. Um, but yeah. no, Vancouver to Orlando is definitely the uh, the the large uh, and substantial leader in that that category. Um, thank you, MLS scheduler, for sending United to both of those things. So they had to go from D.C. to Vancouver to Orlando uh, and to play two about soccer games. Not just I mean, about- that would be tiring to travel as a human. Uh, much less to actually do something when you're there. And talking about the MLS scheduler, thanks for having United play in Cascadia, all the Cascadia teams, and none of them are on the same trip. Yeah, that's that's been a little bit of a thing for the past few years. Ever since MLS went to the, like, one year you play your Western Conference uh, foe at home, the next year you play them away, um, United, there were, there were a few quirks when they brought that in, um, where United was playing all the Cascadia teams home one year and then all away the next. Uh, that first year they had that, the Galaxy had all five Atlantic Coast teams had to come to L.A. to play the Galaxy there, which is preposterous. They did not, the only cross-country trip they had to deal with that year was the traditional L.A. versus Carolina Railhawks Open Cup trip um, that caused no end of complaints. Um, though we're, we're finally at the point where that has stopped because there's just too many teams on the East Coast to possibly send uh, a West Coast team out to play whoever wins North Carolina. I, uh, I still, I still kind of want to send uh, L- the LA Galaxy to uh, Puerto Rico for no reason. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, uh, ex- I assume the Edmonton to Puerto Rico NASL road trip is the most grueling of all North American trips, uh, especially when you throw in the fact that in the NASL you have to go. That, that entire trip is by van, um, including yeah. or- including the ocean part. You've got to get in a van and get it. Get it to Puerto Rico somehow. Or uh, the, on um, you. Or the for, uh, before uh, Antigua's last season where they played every game on the road and had zero yes. home games. The season before that, they did have home games. And I'm sure that was even worse than a van because an- the Antiguan Federation had no money. So it was probably like a, uh, like a 1987 Toyota Corolla that they just piled everybody into. Just everybody into the Toyota. Yeah. Um, it could be worse. I just saw today that a team from the far, far, far eastern edge of Russia got promoted up to their top flight, uh, and all the other teams are clustered near or in Moscow, uh, which is on the other side of the country. And Russia, right. oh yeah, isn't it like on the Kam- isn't it like on the Kamchatka Peninsula? It is. I only, re- um, I only remember the Kamchatka Peninsula from uh, Risk. It's look, Risk is a good game for multiple reasons. Many children re- remember minor geographical things because they played risk at some point. 
um, which gives them a, a distinct edge over, I don't know if anyone saw that map of Americans trying to guess where North Korea is, and it was just uh, oh, yeah. literally every Asian country. People were just taking shots. Like, I don't know. It could be any of them. Um, but in any case, uh, we've lost our way. Uh, DC United is playing Orlando City uh, on a Wednesday, so tomorrow by the time you listen to this. Um, Orlando is coming off of a, a pretty down game for them. They lost one nothing at Minnesota. Didn't really look very good um, at any point. Uh, ben, I know... Um, you noticed that as well, that it just was a, a pretty poor performance against a Minnesota team that is getting points now, but still isn't very good. Yeah, no, it, like they were never as bad as their hilariously bad opening to the season was, uh, but they're still not a good team. I mean, come on, they're coached by Adrian Heath um, and Orlando out of anyone should know what that means, but Orlando was flying high to begin this season, and to lose to Minnesota, even in Minnesota, in that hilarious football stadium that still has the uh, Minnesota Gophers uh, logos painted in the end zone, uh, is not good for a team that has the last world player of the year not named Ronaldo or Messi uh, on their team. So... They're going to be hoping to uh, recover and regroup, and hopefully DC United can not let them do that. Hopefully the curse of Antonio Nocerino <laughs> will continue, and even though he's actually playing decently now, unfortunately, again, uh, but hopefully uh, his double agent code words will be activated by Dave Casper it, and Ben Olsen. Are we hoping to see the appearance of Nantonio Nocerino? There you go. Or um, maybe somehow uh, Mike Sanders can come up. I think he's. I think uh, Mike on Santos might still be in Tampa Bay or something. He's pretty much just. If you're a Florida team, you have to have Mike on Santos on your roster for at least one season. Yeah. Um, so so it can be it can be the now. it can be the Antonio Nocerino version of uh, Mike Sanders. So like Tony uh, Nocerone. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It might. I, can't, I don't know what Nocerino means in English. I don't know the tr- translation of it. So he, he defied us with that. Um, but uh, to get to your point, you, you mentioned how well Orlando started the season. They were six wins and one loss after seven games. Since then, four losses, two draws, no wins. Um, so they've definitely been found out a little bit. Um, they've changed formation to try and shake themselves out of this because Early in the year, with Kaká dealing with a a knock that he picked up in the season opener, what they really did was just go to a 4-4-2 and play a lot of long balls and and play really not the kind of soccer you associate with Jason Kreiss, um, who made his reputation playing a diamond, uh, live or die playing a diamond um, with RSL. And then at, at NYCFC, he wasn't so committed to the diamond as much as just the idea of possession being very important. Um, in Orlando, the start of this year, they were just like, we're, we have two fast forwards. We're going to play it over the top and let them run after it and see what happens. Um, and stay organized at the back. And that, that, I mean, it's not fun, but we know from watching DC United in years where the talent wasn't there that it can win games. Um, you might need a little fortune. You might not win big, uh, often or ever, but you, you could win games by staying organized and, sending the ball forward to Kyle Laren, who is both a giant physical uh, specimen, but also has, like, track star speed. Um, and yeah. Carlos Rivas, who may be faster than Laren, which is ridiculous. Um, 
sending those guys over the top is dangerous because it's easy to do and it's difficult to deal with because it's like, well, I can't run as fast as those guys. Um, especially with uh, DC United center backs. Right. And especially, I mean, sometimes soccer is simple. And when you have that kind of speed, I mean, there's a reason Dominic Oduro has been effective for so long. It's not because he's particularly skillful or clever. It's that he's faster than everybody. Um, it's pizza. And, and, and he's fueled by pizza, which is ridiculous. That's not an athlete's <laughs> diet. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I feel on the other side, though, if you look at Oduro, he's so thin that I feel like if he didn't eat just constant pizza, he would just wither away and, like, eventually become dust. Probably. Um, because he's still a tiny man uh, whose metabolism, I guess, is just a roaring fire at all times, so he has to just scarf down whole pizzas whenever he gets the chance. And um, and, and pays tribute to pizza, obviously, um, <laughs> with his hairstyle. Um, but in any case, uh, Oduro's not going to be a problem for United, but Rivas and Laren might be. They went both went 90 minutes in this game against Minnesota, Um a few other guys went 90. Uh, Scott Sutter, the English-born Swiss right back, who's actually been really good since he arrived. Um, he's He was kind of an under-the-radar signing that has turned out really well. He played 90. Uh, he overlaps a lot now. Um, John Spector has turned out to be a pretty good signing. He's been, He had to go 90. Um, so you have a lot of guys. Perez Garcia played... I want to say he played 90 minutes. I don't have anything down saying that. Not true. Um... No Chirino right. no went 74 minutes. Um, Will Johnson played 90. Um, so it was not a heavily rotated team. They, they rotated totally a few players. Totally forgot they had Will Johnson. Will Johnson is there uh, being angry at all times, uh, as, is, as is his want. Um, but in this game against Minnesota, they went back to that formula of flat 4-4-2, long balls over the top, and see what happens. It did not work. Um I assume they're going to be back in the diamond. Uh, I, I strongly assume they're going to return to the diamond at home. Uh, I don't think they even took Kaká with them to Minnesota. I'm going to find that out now. No, um, they didn't. He didn't play. I don't think he was on the bench. Um, and it was probably entirely because when you play out of conference, it's not that important to win. I mean, it's nice, as we found out this weekend. It's nice to right. win that game. But, it, but it's much more nice to win and also screw over your conference foe who might be battling you for a playoff spot. Um and so you might rest your players like Kaká. Um, uh, Giles Barnes only played 18 minutes, though I did kind of chuckle watching the game when the Minnesota announcer reminded me that Giles Barnes is a designated player. Um, I don't know how you end up awarding that. Kind of, this is it's not really Minnesota or Orlando's fault because they didn't give him that deal. Um, but that's they the still deal. acquired him on that deal. They did still acquire him, and they're still having to deal with the fallout from it. Um, yeah, Kaká did not... Did not even make the bench. Right. He, he, they left him home just like DC left Lloyd Sam home. Um, actually, per Lloyd Sam's Instagram, we'll see some uh, some faces that weren't in Vancouver, including Patrick Niarco, which is a, a big a big returning player. Not that he's going to start. I don't think we should expect him to play no. uh, from the start, given that he's been out for seven, eight weeks. Um, yeah. But just having him in the squad is huge. Um, he and Al Haji Kamara and Jalen Robinson, Al Haji Kamara with his hat trick for the Richmond kickers. Yes. Um, and I, I wanted to go ahead. bring that up just a little bit because sure. I'm pretty sure that Sebastian will is going to start up top for DC United or, or Patrick Mullins, even mm -hmm. though Patrick Mullins has a knock, uh, in theory, but well, he was if, wincing. I don't know that he was actually hurt. He was wincing. So it's one of those, like, is it pain or is it an actual injury? Right. So, 
if Mullins can go, that's great. Uh, Mullins will go. But um, if Mullins can't go, I'd really like to see uh, Latou stay out on the wing. Because I think as we've seen in this game and as uh, in this past game against Vancouver, and as we saw uh, and as we've seen in previous games, and as everyone should really know, Latou's a winger. He's better as a winger. And he's it, it fits in better for DC United that way. So if Mullins can't go and you have to start Kamara, I think you Ben Olsen won't, but I think he should start Kamara there instead of moving Latou. And well, and he might have to be right. given that he doesn't have any wingers that might be able to start. It's interesting because Kamara does fill kind of the same idea as Latou in that he loves to run in behind. He's not really a hold-up guy. And on the road, we've seen what United's formula is. It's to get in behind on the counter and absorb a lot of pressure otherwise. Um, it would be nice for them to not have to absorb so much pressure uh, and, and rely on friendly woodwork um, and Bill Hamid being uh, brilliant. But um, we've seen three games in a row where that's kind of the deal uh, to defend and counter. Um, and Kamara has the speed to do that. Um, he's getting, getting into good spots with the kickers. Now he's got four goals on the season. If I'm not mistaken, is four or five. Did he come into the game with two before the hat trick? He had at least thought, one. I know he had at least I, one. He definitely had one. I think it was just one. Okay. But still, um, he's getting the job done on, on the kickers, um, who haven't yeah. really been able to score very much. Um, except when he's there. Except what, yeah. Um, he, so he's getting the job done at that level. Um, he's playing 90 minutes. Uh, he's not showing any signs of fatigue or, or picking up little uh, muscle strains. Last year, of course, he'd been out of the game for so long that it was only natural for him to um, pick up little uh, little muscle pulls here and there. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see United, uh, I, and I feel like it's a surprise you could spring on Orlando um, to send Kamara out. I don't. I agree with you that it's not likely to happen. If Mullins can't start, then it will probably will be Latou or Nagel um, yeah. shifted up there, but um, it would not surprise me to see Kamara get into this game, especially because if United is losing, they might need that second forward. And if they're winning, um, you can send him in and know that you're going to get, you know, Kamara hasn't gotten a shot this year um, with the first team. So you're going to get him at his most urgent to try and impress um, yeah. because everyone wants to, I mean, even though I'm sure he knows his space in the team hierarchy is, you know, a forward for the future because we kind of forget he's still very young. Yeah, um, 22, 23? I think he turned 22 in the offseason, I want to yeah. say. Um, but, you know, you always want to be proving yourself and, and fighting your way up the hierarchy. And it's not like he doesn't have that in his past. I mean, he played in the Swedish top flight. Um, USL is probably a little bit, in terms of his overall ability, it's a, it's a bit of a step down. It's just that he was out of the game for so long that he has to really show you know, over a long period of time that he can do that for a, that play at that level for a sustained period. Um, right. But this will be, an, a, you know, if he's on the bench, it'll be a moment that he could maybe prove that he deserves to be in the rotation a little more, because if you've got a choice between a bunch of guys that are in their thirties backing up uh, Mullins, or you've got a guy who's 22 and could keep getting better, you probably want to give that guy um, the benefit of the doubt uh, because he'll be around for a while. Um, in any case, I do think, um, with Orlando, with their diamond, I I would guess we're going to see Johnson probably starts, um, and, and despite playing over the weekend, Laren and Rivas probably start. Um, John Spector, Cro what? Go ahead. Do you think Carrasco gets a start? 
he might because Nocherino is old and injury prone. Um, yeah. And played on turf in Minnesota. And it was kind of a physical game. There were a lot of late tackles and um, just a little extra being left in from both teams. He didn't really get involved in any of it. But, you know, at his age, with his injury history, you kind of have to take it easy. Minnesota Stadium is a turf. It's a turf field. Um, So all of those things make me think we we might see Servando Carrasco um, at the base of the diamond. Um, Christian Higita didn't play, or he played 16 minutes. So it'll probably be Higita and Wilson, or Wilson, Will Johnson on, uh, either side of the diamond. Carrasco, most likely at the base. And then the issue is, is Kaká able to start, uh, because he's been dealing with injuries as well. Um, Orlando has a big problem with injuries. Um, they are the kings of the hamstring strain. Anytime, uh, DC fans whine about the injury list. The first thing I do is remember how long Orlando's is, which might be their own fault. It might be Orlando's fault that this is where it is. Um, but they had like nine guys out for hamstring problems at one point this season. Um, but in any case, um, they'll have Donnie Toya who's been at left back all year. He didn't play in Minnesota, so he'll be starting. Um, but maybe Sutter doesn't play. So Toya might have to play right back instead of left back. Um, it, it will be interesting to see. It, it's certainly beneficial to play. Orlando doesn't have guys that can s- stand in for Laren and Rivas up front. They don't have, I mean, they have backups, but they're not viable backups that you would be happy to field. So right. it might be the right moment to be playing them, um, where if you can get through that first hour, those guys are just going to be gassed. And then you don't really have to worry so much about the threat they provide. And United did do a good job in Vancouver of getting through the first hour. They kind of, uh, they had frustrated the Whitecaps um, and were pretty effective. The game really went crazy after the penalty, but before that, it was really uneventful, um, yep. which is, you're the road team and the game is boring and uneventful and kind of frustrating for the home team. That means things are going pretty well. Um, but on the other hand, it's tough to do that twice in a row when you have to fly across a continent. Um, it will be interesting. I, I'm interested to th- figure out what Olsen's going to do bringing... Uh, the guys that he's bringing in that weren't on the trip, Lloyd Sam, I assume, will go straight back into the starting lineup. I assume Niako won't. Uh, he'll be on the bench, but right. not starting. Kamara, I assume, is not going to start. Jalen Robinson, I assume, is not going to start. But also, um, we know from Steven Streff and Ryan Kiefer, who flew out to the game in Vancouver, that Kofi Opari had uh, some sort of heavy tape job on his foot after the game and was not necessarily at, you know, feeling his best. Um Right back has been a situation of, of where United keeps having injuries and the fact that Sean Franklin isn't going, Nick DeLeon isn't going, uh, Chris Korb has played played 90, but, I mean, he's just coming off of, like, 15 months without playing. Right, can um, he go another 90 what, midweek what, and then go another 90 on the weekend? Right, you're sort of tempting fate at that point with a guy like Korb. Um, so maybe Robinson gets a start at right back just out of necessity. It's not his best position. I think we would all like to see him play center back a little more or, or ever. Steve, how about Steve Birdbaum at right back? We have seen that, um, no, which would be, I it, didn't, I did not see that. I was, I was in the building. Uh, no, I was, no, that didn't happen, Jason. You are it, incorrect. There, there will, we're going to suffer. Uh, this podcast is about suffering. We're going to suffer our bad memories. And that was one of them. Um, it, it will be interesting. I think both teams have a lot to sort through with the demands of this uh, choice to schedule a game midweek uh, like this. Um, I assume both teams are going to complain about it a little bit and then say, we don't like to use excuses. 
Um, because it, it, it's in, it's human nature to like want to bring it up because it sucks. Um, anyone that's flown cross country ever knows that when you get there, you just want to go to sleep. Basically, um, yep. You don't really want to go to sleep after anything. driving three hours. Right. Um, and then flying back to the East Coast is even worse. Um, I remember the first time I flew to California and flew back when I got in, uh, I was completely like, I couldn't figure out, you know, up from down, much less uh, accomplish anything or play 90 minutes of soccer against a team that wants to win. Um, or even a team that wants to lose. I probably would have failed in helping them lose. <laughs> um, I just wouldn't have been able to do it right. Um, yep. So it, I assume United will rotate more than Orlando. Um, both teams will rotate some. I feel like Jason Christ has been kind of a, I don't want to say a doubter on rotation, but not necessarily as big. I mean, just look at his, look at his RSL teams and look how much, how little he rotated those. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if the rotation was done in Minnesota and it'll just be regular starters jumping back in. Um, but that comes with a downside and that's, you know, if Orlando can't break down DC United in that first hour, then they might be there for the taking. So expect to see a little more of the same from United. I would say more low block, more attempts to frustrate, um, Orlando's, if they're going to play the diamond, they're going to try and pass their way through it. They don't really have too many dribblers, um, to break that down. Um, so if you take away that ball over the top by staying low, you might end up with, a. Orlando just sort of being irritated the whole time. They're not good at defending set pieces, which is a nice thing. It would be great to see a set piece goal for once. Um, I think outside get, of get Burnbaum off the uh, off off of his rut, right? And and outside of, I mean, I I still count it as a set piece goal because it's sort of the aftermath of a scramble that resulted from United putting a ball in a good spot. But United's one set piece goal is still Jared Jeffrey hitting a volley out after a New England had sort of poke the ball away from the yeah. crowd in the middle. It's not really a set-piece goal. It's not a guy winning a header and nodding it into the goal, which is, you know, what you want. Um, maybe that's there this week. I know um, Jonathan Spector isn't the best in the air. Um, Donnie Toya, Sutter, those guys aren't very big. Um, no, I don't know if they're going to bring back. Center back's kind of an issue with them. They've been rotating. Jose Aha was the starter. He started this past weekend, but it was he's sort of coming back. Um, a guy, a guy named Leo Pereira, they signed from, uh, Orlando City B, um, a young Brazilian player had been, I think he'd started two in a row before that. And then before he got in the lineup, Tommy Redding was starting, but he left for U.S. Youth National Team. Duty. U20. Um, yeah. so you have a lot of names deal, you know, they're dealing with a lot of different, uh, guys rotating in and out, all fighting for time. I'm, I'm looking at Pereira. Yeah. Pereira started two games in a row. Then was on the bench with um, Jose Aja coming back in. So that's definitely a big question. Um, if there's one thing I would note about Pereira and Aja instead of Redding is that the the former two commit a ton of fouls. Um, the, they are very physical to the point of being a risk, um, which can be good if the referee's on your side, but can go very, very wrong for you if you get someone who's strict. I don't know who the referee for this game is. Um uh... I yeah. haven't I haven't seen it yet, but in any case, um, something to look out for if United can bait those guys into uh, some rash tackles and some dumbness, um, they might be able to benefit from. Orlando's not you know st- you know emotionally intelligent team. Uh, Jason Christ gets furious pretty fast, and a lot of his players get furious pretty fast. And if they lose their heads, you know maybe things uh, maybe United can make it a little easy on themselves. Um, 
Ben, did you have anything else you wanted to cover with Orlando? No, I think we should get to the galaxy. All right, uh, stick around with us. We have Josie Becker coming on for our, for our next segment uh, ahead of the home game. DC's back at home against the Galaxy. Please come to our meetup, by the way. Stick around. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. And we're back. Uh, we actually just wasted a pretty good segment off the air. Um, so hopefully we can just keep that good momentum going. Uh, right now, we have one of our favorite guests of all time. Uh, Josie Becker is on with us to talk uh, a little bit about this weekend's game. Josie, welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm thrilled to be back. Um, this is my favorite podcast of all the podcasts. And I think your listeners appreciate that. Uh, well, they better. I was about to say I hope so, but I'm going to change my tag and say they better. Um, or else we might send them out to see with Scientologists. It's possible. Uh, we can figure that out. I think. <laughs> I mean, Josie has it might, Josie has the hook immediately. It'll, it's coming in the future once we sort out the details. Josie's in I LA. Like she listening. probably has the hookup with uh, Big Blue. Oh my well, god! There's like, a Scientology it's... center in DC. They're, we don't I mean, have they're everywhere now, right? Like, yeah, we, we can. Yeah. Our our listeners are mostly near the one in DC. That's the one we would have to take them to. I think. But unless you're like, I mean, LA has like the mothership, right? Where you just, you're driving down the freeway and it's like, oh, Scientology. And then you like, you make your turn in and Tom Cruise is standing there like, hello, like like an animatronic Tom Cruise. It's like, hello, welcome, <laughs> to, welcome to Scientology. Um, and then they just take all your money. So like, yeah. <laughs> the, the one hand waves, but the other hand goes for your pocket. Um, and you're just supposed to be distracted by the waving hand. Um, which like an, is... A, it's, it's a, a very evil. It's yes, exactly. It's an evil version of Disneyland, which is already like its own like animatronic money grabbing situation. But like this is just money grabbing and, and no magical value. Right, like like you don't get like an arm. You know, there's not like a charming character who puts their arm around you for a photo, um, <laughs> or music are in the background. Are you trying to say that robbery? Are you it, trying to say that L. Ron Hubbard is not magical and loving? Uh, I'm saying he's dead. Is my main point. Please don't sue us, Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> David Miscavige is definitely cuddly. 
See, now we're going to get sued. We were fine before. Ben, no, we're getting sued. This is your fault, Ben. <laughs> um, anyway, let's let's uh, let's circle back to something uh, that isn't going to get us sued. Josie, what are you drinking? Oh, let me buzz market real quick for Modern Times. Please do. Uh, it is the delicious uh, beverage that you can purchase at your local liquor store. Um, brewed in San Diego. Uh, all of their uh, beers are named after famous cults, by the way. Uh, okay. And this one, this one is named after the Black House cult, and it is their coffee uh, stout. It's very delicious. I feel like I've never seen that. I feel like that's not uh, hasn't made it to us on the East Coast yet, but I also now would, am really jealous that that's not the case. Yeah, I, I was a religious studies major in college, and... I took all the cult classes that I could take, and cults are amazing. I mean, not they're not amazing, but I love studying about and reading about cults. Yeah, no, I uh, when when I went to to college, uh, I lived in a uh, house that was the previous owners were uh, a cult. Uh, they they worshipped aliens and uh, wait, was it, was it the aliens? Uh, no, it was they called themselves the One World Family. Uh, they're now based uh... on Hawaii. Um, mm. But yeah, we we lived in a One World Family uh, house. I would like to take a second to salute all the cults who had the the smarts to live in like areas with really nice weather. Um, <laughs> like unlike unlike upstate New up... York, where uh, unlike yeah. upstate New York, where cults used to come from, right? Or or like just random places in the Midwest where it's it's just not going to be that pleasant to be there. Um, I feel like if you're gonna do the whole cult thing, you at least should set up in a spot where it's like you know it's night. Nice, like moving to Hawaii as a cult, that's a good move if you're a cult. Like, where's it, where this cult that's smart enough to have moved to Hawaii? So think about that when you're sorting through your various cult uh, offers. I assume that cults make offers sort of like pursuing a free agent uh, in, in sports. Yeah, no, it's a great recruiting tool. Like, if, you, if you're going to go out and be like a cult franchise, you know, you want to be that franchise that players are like, yeah, you know, they just have such, so much to offer. You know, all the sunshine, um, there's this great afterlife thing that they're really pitching, and I just, I had to take my talents to the one world family but then then when you're in la then you have another cult that has 23 cult leaders that's coming into your town and trying to upstage your cult and trying to bring in all the 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 best cult play the cult uh attendees and such was that an attempt to segue back into actual soccer talk (laughs) (laughs) we'll do a more abrupt pivot uh the the Galaxy are coming into, or I don't even know if they have a midweek game. There's so many games going on right now, I can't keep track. But they are currently, when we were speaking, their last game is a pretty ridiculous 4-2 win in San Jose over the Earthquakes. A game in which the Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they took four shots, they got four goals. Um, or four, four shots on goal turned into four goals. Um, maybe with a little help from v- Victor Bernardez. Um... It's been kind of strange. The Galaxy were really struggling, and now not so much. Josie, what, what's going on out there? You know, when you talk to Kurt Nolfo, who may or may not have a Cockney accent and talk like this all the time. No, that wasn't Cockney. <laughs> Damn it, I did it so well before the podcast. <laughs> this is an ex- yeah. It, it's too bad. The, the, the pressure was on. It, sometimes this happens. Sometimes the pre- I just got the yips. I got the I got the accent yips going. Um, I'll I'll get it back. I'll work it back in. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, no, it's it's crazy, right? Like the galaxy were just they were terrible, and like every article written was like, "What is going on with the galaxy? How are they going to fix it?" And then 
uh, you know, they kept doing the same thing, but then, like, something miraculous happened. Jermaine Jones got hurt, and then, like, the team got better, and <laughs> I, I'm going to posit this crazy theory that no one else on the internet has yet stumbled upon. Uh, the Galaxy aren't good with Jermaine Jones, and they've gotten better without him. So stay with me now. Um, he, and I mean, it's, hey, yeah, yeah Jermaine Jones... He's playing soccer jazz, right? He likes to go wherever the hell he wants to go. You got uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. He also likes to play soccer jazz. And you got Jella Van Dam, who's also playing soccer jazz. Um, so in the course, you know, they go down 0-2 to Chicago in the first half. And, like, by all rights, Chicago should have had that game. Um, but then Jermaine Jones gets hurt, and Kurt Nolfo has the cojones to bench Jella Van Dam. And all of a sudden, Yellow Van Damme's like, oh, that's right. I'm not a fullback anymore. Like, I have to stop playing like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, like, it, the message got across. Like, he got it. He's like, okay, I'm not going to go forward and send long balls anymore. I'm just going to stay home and, like, do the job that these people are paying me to do. It's been incredible. Um, and not having Jermaine Jones playing soccer jazz has freed up uh, Jao Pedro to really just kind of come into his own... Um, I was, I was talking to Baggio Hasidic uh, before he got uh, hurt, uh, God rest his soul. Um, and <laughs> I says, He's out for a few I says, with being dead. <laughs> I says to Badge, I says, uh, Badge, like, what's what's going on? Uh, why is uh, Pedro all of a sudden like just getting really good? And you know, players don't like to throw each other under the bus, um, obviously. Uh, but... Uh, he kind of goes, you know, Pedro is a natural uh, number six, I don't know, whatever the roaming midfielder number is. Um, and then he just likes to have the ball on, the, on his foot. He likes to kind of make his own space, which is like an exact description of what Jermaine Jones was doing, making Pedro stay at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to fix it before Jermaine Jones got hurt by putting Jermaine Jones in more of an attacking midfielder position. And then having Pedro and Hussein just play deep mids together behind, um, but that's that gave Pedro a little more freedom, but not quite as much as he has currently. Um, and yeah, like there's a lot of injuries in the midfield. We've currently got Rafael Garcia, who is just like, like he's that name. That you're like, he's still on the roster. Yeah, he, but like, he actually he, wasn't he not on the roster for a while and then brought back. Yeah, he he went back down to Galaxy too, which is like oh, yeah. the the brilliant thing about having. Like, they, they treat their farm team as in, like, one roster. Like, all the numbering even it works as if it's one roster, mm-hmm. um, so it, which is kind of, you know... So you can't, you can't be number out. 37 on Galaxy 2 because Van Damme has, has 37 taken already. Exactly. So if, you wanted, if you wanted the bizarre choice of being number 37 on a soccer team, you don't get to. You have to go pick a regular number, like, 4 or 2 or something like that. Right, because the bizarre up. number has already been chosen, and you're right. like, oh, well, I, I want to be bizarre, but this bizarre guy already did it, so I guess I got to figure something else out. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it, it creates that where it's not so much a farm team, but they kind of treat it as if, like, well, we're all on the same page here. Um, and when you talk to Anolfo, like, okay, segue. Um, <laughs> when you talk to Anolfo about someone like Jossi Zardes, who, you know, has no goals this season, hasn't scored since August of last year, um, which, I mean, it does take into account a lot of injury time but you know when you talk to him about like why hasn't Zardes gotten in the flow of things yet an awful will tell you that well he, out of everyone who's gotten LA two minutes and preseason minutes Zardes has the third least amount of game time minutes in mm-hmm. the year 2017 of our lord um and like 
seeing how they see the roster makes it make a it's just, it's way different because like Zardis isn't that low on total minutes overall, but like they see no difference between getting minutes at LA two and getting minutes with the with the first team, um, which is you know why they feel comfortable slotting in random LA two guys uh, for whatever defensive needs there are. Um, which, you know, it's a different model. It's a very economically-based model. You know, you're not like, oh, we got an injury. We got to go and fill someone during this uh, you know, transfer window real fast. It's like, well, we'll just promote someone up from, from the B squad. Until uh, they slime yeah. Zlatan this summer. <laughs> well, no, that's not... I mean, that's that's off the table because the guy, like, broke both his legs and his face and everything. And so now he's like... <laughs> <laughs> I guess the guy's got to I guess like in Manchester now. Um, when, is, when has that ever stopped LA from signing somebody? Fair point, which gets us back to Jermaine Jones. But I'm changing. <laughs> so I, my first question is that I'm just jumping in. That's what fine. happens when Jermaine Jones comes back? Can Kurt Anolfo keep him on the bench? I No. I mean, that's the other deal is like, you know, the economics of MLS are still what they are. Like, you can't bench guys that are taking up a huge chunk of your salary budget because that's bad budgeting. That's like going out and buying uh, $60 steaks and then going, oh, fuck it. Like, let's just eat cold cuts for the whole week. Like, <laughs> that doesn't work out in the long term. Um, you got to plan your budget better. Um, so, yeah, you got to keep trying to find a way to work him in. Uh, I think. How about center back? Uh, <laughs> it's it's because you're still How like you're you're pairing him with Jella Van Dam, and you're like, okay, are they both <laughs> ever gonna stay home? No, they're no. just gonna like play whatever position they decide they're playing at the moment, and that just doesn't like. Oh my god, when Van Dam like earlier in the season would just like <laughs> randomly start playing forward, it was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, you can't have that. If Jermaine Jones wants to get forward, uh, you gotta have. You got to let him do that, um, but you got to do it in such a way that Pedro doesn't feel like he has to play defense the whole game, and you have to do it in a way that Giovanni dos Santos, when he decides, like, I'm going to go back to the midfield because I want to create from there and see the whole field, like, let him do it and stay home, Jermaine Jones. Um, but you know, they get, that's got to be worked out in practice, and um, I mean, I I can say just from. A reporting perspective, like an awful practices at least half hour to forty five minutes longer than Bruce Arena ever did, um, every single day. So I know they know the problems and they're trying to work on them. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and that like, hey, things are working out now. But yeah, when those pieces start to come back and we go back to having the same issues as before, like it, I hope he's up to it. <laughs> It's also the the personality issue. Like, if you tell Jermaine Jones he's not going to play, he's going to go on Instagram and tell you the facts. <laughs> oh my god, that was so... It was, like, when that story came out, you know, I'm, as as Sloppy Seconds Josie, I come up and I'm like, so, do you got anything else to say? And <laughs> he's like, no, nah, I've said it at all. Um, but then, like, my next question in my mouth, I believe, was, um, you know, an awful says that you kind of have to get the ball to Geo faster. Like, hey, you won one game and congratulations, um, but I don't think you've proven every, everybody wrong. Like, you still got to get the ball to Geo faster. And it's like, well, we have a lot of good players. I'm like, come on, your vegan ass. Same we all <laughs> good players. Like, do your duty as your coach is telling you to do. Well, I mean, that, that's. A, do you think Kurt Anolfo has the? The, the gravitas to 
to serve as the head coach for a team like the Galaxy uh, rather than being the head coach for Galaxy 2. And, and in even more so taking over for uh, the legend, our lord and savior, Bruce Arena. <laughs> I mean, Bruce Arena was called to a, a higher calling, you know, much as when, uh, when, when Tony Stark uh, is off with the Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, then Spider-Man has to step it the fuck up and start saving New York. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, Anolfo is learning, and we, kn- you know, I mean, God, I'm preaching to the goddamn choir here, but like, <laughs> you, you know that um, he's got a, a, a track record that speaks for itself. Um, he's been given a third chance. He's been given a third chance in MLS, yeah. and, like, God bless him. Um, for, for sticking with it, and I think he has learned some things being in the Galaxy system. Um, but I think over the long term, like, he's got to be a stopgap, right? Like, he's the guy before the next guy. Um, especially when LAFC is on the scene, and they're talking about getting, you know, Boca's coach, or they're going after a Bob Bradley, and you're going to tell me that Curtin Offa is going to stand up to someone like a Bob Bradley? Like, eh. So, <laughs> I, you know. Luis Enrique is available. Who now? The Luis Enrique from Barcelona. Didn't he just quit Barcelona? Oh, well, then, yeah, just go get him. I, like, that sounds yeah. great. <laughs> go get Barcelona's coach. Right. That, I mean, that, that, that seems to be the new thing. Uh, you got Atlanta doing so, so you might as well uh, one-up them. Like, well, we have an even more recent Barcelona coach. How about that? <laughs> Until somebody eventually... Or, no. No, uh, the Galaxy need to get Maradona. Oh, I, I don't know why they haven't already. Like clearly, I I should let I should let them know. I should let Chris Just Klein know. Did you guys know that, that there are these Maradona? <laughs> Have you guys heard of this Maradona guy? Yeah. Like I don't know. Maybe you should consider it. Like I've just been been shooting the shit with some guys, and they're like, I'm cursing so much on this podcast. Yeah. Sorry, focus. Yeah, it's so okay. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is, but I, you know, as long as they make the playoffs this year, I think it, you know, keeps the, the money train going and then you kind of get your next, your, your, the next guy in a year or two. Uh, Josie, my question comes back to, um, one of the other, the other big name that we haven't really talked about. Um, Romain Alessandrini has six goals and six assists in 12 games, uh, for the galaxy, which is an absurd total. Um, he has been pretty much wor- worth every single penny, however much they, they paid to get him from Marseille, or if they, I don't even know if they paid anything to get him from Marseille. Um, but whatever it was, whatever they did, uh, whatever bodies they had to bury, um, all of it appears to have been worthwhile because the guy seems to be unstoppable. Uh, what's, what exactly is making him so effective in MLS? Yeah, I think the Galaxy are starting, like, it's starting to remind me of, like, the old Oakland Raiders where like every player they grab has some kind of like, Oh, they don't play well with others kind of situation from their old squad. Um, and Allison Rina definitely fits into that. Um, the same way, you know, Gio was always, Oh, he's lazy, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes over here and he's kind of rehabbed himself a little bit. And like all the reading I did on Allison Rina was like, yeah, he's great, but like, you know, he's not giving his all or whatever. Um, I think he's a player that you can kind of say like, the new situation, the new opportunity is putting him in, in the right frame of mind. Um, and that's working out really well. 
Uh, and he's also just, I mean, he's, you know, like just finding uh, a lot of space. You know, teams aren't, you know, double, triple teaming him. They're still trying to figure out, like, where is the attack going to come from from the galaxy? Which, you know, at this point should be obvious. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's Alessandrini. Um, but, you know, I, if you're going to focus on Azardes and leave an Alessandrini wide open, like, good on you, MLS teams. But that's... <laughs> it At this point, like... And, like... I don't want to compare him to Giovinco because that's like, you know, he's our god right now, right? That's like sacrilegious. Um, but, you We're know. Calling up gods on this show. <laughs> a lot of I've been watching, going on. I can't even keep track. I've been watching American gods. Down. So, like, I, I've got a plurality in my head all of a sudden as far as that goes. You know, the more you say a person's name, they just, they're, they're a god now. Like, that's just <laughs> how it works. Um, love you, Neil Gaiman. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so, like, those kinds of players where it's like, yeah, that's, it's not your target for, it's not the guy you're used to uh, focusing on um, MLS defenses, but yeah, defenses now have to be aware of these wingers that can come in and score from all kinds of crazy angles that uh, you don't usually expect. And that, that isn't taught at uh, Wake Forest. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the college defender experience prepares you for uh, European trained wingers. Probably not. Um, at least, <laughs> at least those as good as Alessandrini. It might prep you for your uh, Andrew Wengers of the world, um, but uh, <laughs> maybe not the guy that can cut in and and hit rockets uh, over and over again on goal. Um, because really, I, I feel like Alessandrini could have better numbers. Like he's been close to scoring more goals. Like it's not just he's got six goals on his six best chances. He's probably he probably could have like ten by now. It's which is absurd. Um, right, which it, which is it's also the double edged sword for the galaxy right now because like in the stretch when they were bad, it was if Alessandrini didn't score, they weren't going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gotten better now that like Giov- Giovanni Dos Santos has kind of figured things out again, um, and they're both doing really well. Um, but until and I, I already gave him like the benefit of the doubt earlier, so I, you know it's weird that I'm saying this, but like until Zardes starts scoring again. It's still like winger or bust is not a uh, you know winning strategy in the long term in MLS. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, it probably does help to have uh, Gio dos Santos and and Zardes, who we know as a center forward can produce. He's done it before. He should be better at it now once he gets his uh, his legs under him after that incredibly long. It's it felt like almost a year of not playing with, uh, from him. Um, from that, I guess it was a foot injury that uh, just lingered and lingered. Well, it was two different injuries. There okay. was there was the initial one in August of last year that mm-hmm. kept him out for the entire season, um, and 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 that was a situation where like had the Galaxy gone farther in the playoffs, he probably got would have worked himself back into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't happen. And then like January camp, he was training in January camp, and then got re in. Got not re-injured, but he got a different injury during January camp that was like initially kind of misdiagnosed. It's like, oh, it'll be no big deal, but then like it was a big deal and kept him out of you know Galaxy's preseason as well as the start of of uh, this season. So you know he's still in. You know he's had to have his preseason in like in MLS and like games that count, which is tough. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's starting to he's starting to find his form. He's starting to uh, to 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 figure out uh, where he fits on the team again. Uh, well, I guess we we should end with the traditional segment because I'm remembering things that Adam does typically, uh, which is a, a great sign for us because normally I would just have asked some random question that had nothing to do with any of this, possibly about whether you could be on a boat and have a good time with your friends without the influence of outside religion. Um, so the question the Adam, is on every boat, uh, every boat. That seems unfair. Uh, just uh, more than anything else. Unfair. Um, the traditional question Adam likes to end, uh, our segments with, if you were suiting up for DC United, uh, this would be a home game. So you would be wearing a, a suit of some kind. That's what Olsen does at RFK though. He's been wearing, um, sneakers with his suit this season, which has been an interesting look. Um, so you're standing on RFK's uh, uh, improving quality surface in a suit. How do you deal with the LA Galaxy? <clears throat> well, I, I I mean, step one is you got to shut down, play on the wings. Uh, you got to force them to be narrow. Uh, I think if you can force them to be narrow, if you can keep them from moving that line up, uh, you stand. A really good chance of shutting them down. Um, you know, it's it's a side that when they've been bad, they've not shown any kind of like creative spark to get past that. It's you know, you can you if you get them on their heels, you can score two or three goals against them. Um, and doing that, I you know, getting wide, narrow the galaxy, widen yourself. Uh, you should be pretty much okay. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta catch Van Dam out of position. Um, you gotta, you know, work against, you know, they've been kind of having like a, uh, a platoon rotation, uh, at the fullback positions. Uh, you know, you're going to be going up against people that, uh, don't have a whole lot of MLS experience. Uh, make them make a mistake. Uh, you know, push past them with speed. Uh, and... I think you should do all right then. Are you saying that Ashley Cole is no longer the fastest player on uh, on the Galaxy? Yeah, I was talking to him, and he was like, "You know, I am thirty six and I was like, "Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good solid point, Ashley Cole." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm thirty six. Like, I I'm just not as fast as I used to be." And I was like, "You know, Ashley Cole, <laughs> I never thought about the fact that when you get older, you get slower. But damn, that probably is true." <laughs> <laughs> life lessons really right there i'm glad we got a chance for you to bring the accent back uh after all um well i i i got i got to grow up around david beckham and he was always just going like obviously like i'm 37 you know i can't run like i used to and i was like no he's way higher though he's like obviously I'm david, <laughs> I'm david beckham but you know what i'm saying like yes i i've I, I've been around the old Brits before, and I love them for what they bring and the experience they bring. And, you know, no, I'm not, Ashley Cole's been brilliant for the Galaxy. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, but, uh, you know, you start getting up there in, in age, and your legs just don't work the way they used to. I, I know maybe more about that than I wish I did. Um, Josie, thanks for coming on. Uh, let everyone know where to find you on the wild, wide world of the internet. Well, if you want to find me on the Twitter, 
Um, I am at Josie Becker FC. Uh, I, I, I was the first person to ever put an FC after my Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> I, I invented that. So you're welcome. And uh, the same for Instagram. Um, follow me on the gram. Follow me on the Twitter. Peace. Everyone, thanks for listening in. Uh, Josie, thanks as always for coming on. Um, ben, thanks for tolerating a show not organized by Adam. Um, listeners, go, go. <laughs> listeners, thank you for tolerating a full show of this. Um, we are available on Twitter at filibuster uh, DCU. Uh, I, I think that's correct. Um, it is. You can email us your positive or negative uh, hate mail. Um, no, no, I feel like positive hate mail would be the best, but if you have negative hate mail, so be it. Uh, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a million dollars so we can take this podcast to the moon, that is also, uh, I, I don't know that we could do that for a million, but I feel like, I feel like a kid with a million, it's just a figure that's so beyond anything. It's like, oh, a million dollars, you can do it, literally anything. Patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to give us a million dollars. Yes. Uh, or if you just want to hand us, like, cash, then you might want to email us instead. But that's your... That's or, your or just or just come to the meetup this weekend when we take on the fighting Kronodolfos. We, we'd prefer a, a burlap sack with a cash symbol painted on it. Um, yes. That's the best way to hand money over. Um, but if you're not interested in that, you can also keep listening to us. You don't have to give us a million dollars. Um, so with that, with this incredibly protracted goodbye... Uh, Ben, find a way to get us out of this show. Scientology!